Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Mouthing Off with Mike. And this episode is Mouthing Off with Mike. Are you not sports entertained? Episode 5, Dirty Gold. And if you caught WWE this week, we saw a lot of title changes. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. We saw two title changes. Two title changes of a lot of significance. One on Monday Night Raw and one on NXT Tuesday night. And if you can guess it, the dirty in the episode stands for Dirty Dom Mysterio. Dirty Dom Mysterio, ladies and gentlemen, is your new NXT North American champion dethroning Wesley. As well, on Monday Night Raw, your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, as I like to call them, the Complaints Department, Chelsea Green, and Sonia Deville. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot more we have to cover when it comes to the WWE side, like Cody Rhodes, the rest of the Judgment Day, Tommaso Ciampa, Shinsuke Nakamura, and much, much more. Stay tuned, grab yourself an ice-cold beverage, and we're going to get into Are You Not Sports Entertained? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to... Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen, is live from the ATL, Hotlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. We are in Rhodes country, and Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, is here to kick off Monday Night Raw. Cody, once again, preaching to the crowd, playing to the crowd. You know, Atlanta, Georgia, what do you want to talk about? Gets the pop from the hometown crowd, calling out Brock Lesnar, and he says that Brock Lesnar is something that he can only be described as two words. Hard times. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. What we've been saying since WrestleMania happened, since we watched Cody Rhodes lose in the main event at WrestleMania 39, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, Cody Rhodes is going through some hard times. Those hard times are in the form of the beast, Brock Lesnar. And I love this, guys. I've been a big fan of this since Brock attacked him at the Raw after Mania. Now, I was not a big fan of the Raw after Mania as a whole, but that moment, the fact that we were teased at Brock and Cody tag teaming, something I never thought would happen, and then our full-blown now going on six-month rivalry between Brock and Cody, which is another thing I didn't think we'd ever see. So I'm all for this. Cody Rhodes getting emotional, talking about his mother, talking about that he's not going to let these hard times affect him in his hometown. He's not going to let Brock Lesnar get the jump on him. Record scratch. You're probably wondering how he got here. The narrator here, which I guess is me, is here to tell you that Brock Lesnar does in fact get Cody Rhodes and get the jump on Cody Rhodes tonight during Raw. Brock Lesnar's music hits. Cody does the the classic uh, old man walk that we've seen Cody do that's been memed relentlessly on the wrestling community. Cody gets to the ramp, gets to the entrance, and Brock Lesnar's music hits again. Cody goes through the uh, entrance, and Brock has now tossed Cody back out to us. Beats him up with a steel chair. 
and hits him with an F5 in front of his own mother. He then gets his ass in the ring and tells Cody, you got your match. I'll see you at SummerSlam, bitch. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We still don't know why Brock Lesnar attacked Cody Rhodes. I don't know if Brock Lesnar's doing it to guide Cody Rhodes to the other side where he can one day become the world heavyweight champion, dethrone Roman, dethrone whoever the world champion will be on Raw, or is just Brock Lesnar just mad that time is passing him by? There are so many fill-in-the-blank fan stories you can come up with in your head. I've come up with the Brock's doing this to test his limits. You know, he this is just hard times for Cody is what I've said, and Cody says it himself tonight on Raw. We need a stipulation for this match. I've been screaming from day one. You've heard me on this show. If you listen to all the episodes, you've been hearing me screaming on the show. Screamed it across social media. It needs to be a bull rope match. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes need to be strapped by a rope, and they need to beat the living piss out of each other. I need color in this match. I need Cody Rhodes busted open. I need Brock Lesnar busted open. I need brutality at SummerSlam from these two. I need a similar match of what we saw with Brock and Roman from a year ago. I need that. Time will tell. SummerSlam coming up quick. So let's see how we get to the stipulation for the rubber match between Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. Following this, we've got our first little bit of action here. The Intercontinental Champion Gunther, the Ring General, We'll be taking on Matt Riddle in non-title action where Imperium is banned from ringside. Now, for whatever reason, these two decided to go out there and have themselves a nice little banger on Monday Night Raw. It was real quick, action-packed, hard-hitting. Gunther just insane with the chops. Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, pointed out earlier this week on Busted Open, when other people do chops, they woo like Ric Flair. But when Gunther does a chop, they wince. The crowd goes, ooh. Because they know that that shit is brutal. That shit hurts. So if I'm in a position and my options are get chopped by Gunther or do something wild, I'm probably taking the latter here. I'm going to avoid the chop from Gunther. Good match. After the match, Gunther calls out Drew McIntyre. So inevitably heading towards Drew versus Gunther at SummerSlam. I'd put my bottom dollar on it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the logical way. Now, we are very close to the Honky Tonk Man's record for the Intercontinental Championship. I believe that Gunther will break it. I believe that after the promo from Gunther, that Riddle is some way, somehow going to get involved in their match at SummerSlam, Drew and Gunther's, which in turn will be the catalyst for Drew McIntyre to finally snap and go back into the Scottish psychopath character you know heel drew i think that's where this has to progress ultimately let's see what happens we get following this a little bit of a backstage segment here with raquel Liv, and ria ria raquel and Liv battle it out in the backstage area raquel knee gets busted by ria ria has attacked the tag champs because the tag champs got involved in her business last week now we'll see that come into play here in just two moments, really. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to be taking on Dirty Dom and Damian Priest, Mr. Money in the Bank, later on in the main event of Raw. But before we get there, the Judgment Day is out here to cut a promo, but KO and Sami stop that. They don't even wait for their name just to be called. They come on out. 
Sammy's just tired of listening to Dom talk. He's like, who wants me to shut up, Dom? Crowd goes wild for it. KO says, you know what? Fine. We're going to put the tag titles on the line. You guys want gold? Fine. Whatever. We're going to beat you up. Tag titles are on the line tonight. And the women's tag titles are on the line next. Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville defeat Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez to become the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Rightfully fucking so. These two, well-deserved, well-earned, absolutely criminal that Sonya hadn't won these tag belts prior, nor a title up to this point for Sonya. Unfortunate. She's been with the company for, now I want to say, just about nine years, if you can total in her Tough Enough stuff, NXT, etc. Never held gold. First taste at gold here with Chelsea as well. Chelsea's first taste of gold in WWE. Both of them in the same Tough Enough class. Fantastic moment for both of these ladies. I've been a big fan of Chelsea Green since... I've said this numerous times on the show. I'm going to sound redundant now. But I've been a big fan of Chelsea Green since her time in Impact. Watched her come over to NXT. Watched her have terrible luck with injuries. The wrist, the ankle, all sorts of stuff took place. Watched her go to the indies with Matt Cardona and absolutely crush it. Comes back into the fold and is the hottest woman in the division right now. I, I think Rhea just wasn't dealing with the women's division for quite some time. And now, now she finally is. In turn, this is what helps Chelsea and Sonya win the tag titles. This is not the last you're going to see of Liv Morgan tonight. I'm so happy for Chelsea and Sonya here. They deserve it. You can get a chant going, you deserve it, whatever you want. The complaints department, as Adam Pearce and I like to call them, well-earned, well-deserved, and have been fantastically entertaining on my television screen. That's right. One, two, three, strikes, you're out. Basketball. Next up on Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen, we've got ourselves a Viking Rules match. Now, we haven't seen a Viking Rules match in quite some time. The last time they did it, they transformed the ring into a Viking ship. This time, they transformed the ring into a Viking ship again. Cheap pop for me. I love shit like that. I'm a big fan of the gimmicks, the extra shit that production will set up or, or create these matches. I, I like this shit. I'm a fan of it. I was thoroughly sports entertained this, this episode of Raw. So that answers the whole mantra of the, of the show, the episode. Are you not sports entertained? Ladies and gentlemen, I was sports entertained when it comes to Monday Night Raw this week. Viking Rules match was insane, guys. A lot of hard hitting. A lot of great tag team wrestling from the Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis. A lot of great wrestling from Eric and Ivar, the Viking Raiders. Maxine gets put through a table by Valhalla. The Viking Raiders actually win this match. Titus O'Neil was on commentary, and goddamn, where's Titus O'Neil been this whole time? Because Titus O'Neil on commentary was chef's kiss. He added that element that was missing of humor, and he was just saying absolute outlandish shit. They were talking about Valhalla and the gods and all the gods that she worships, and Titus O'Neil was like, yeah, I, I worship one god, the almighty Christ, heaven of all. And then he goes on to say, he's like, you know, he's getting real musty out here. These Vikings are real musty. Dude, he was so entertaining. He was so good at the tag match uh, at WrestleMania too. And I, I think Titus on commentary with Corey and Kevin would really help those two out a bit because last week Corey was dying on commentary with Kevin. Kevin sometimes struggles, but he's he's improved. Every week he gets better. Good match here. Chad Gable's insanely talented, guys. Insanely strong. He does he does a, a standing vertical suplex, delayed into the pin. Holy shit, guys. My hot take is Chad Gable very well could be a world champion, or at least be a very damn good successful intercontinental champion or U.S. champion at that. 
Like Chad Gable should get some gold here, whether it's tag gold, whatever they decide to do with the tag division, you know, with KO Sammy, with the, with the dual titles, whatever the case is for Chad Gable, sky's the limit for him still. He has overcome so much. Shorty G, that terrible character from a few years ago, and he just continually is entertaining when it comes to his in-ring stuff and outside of the ring with the promos with the Alpha Academy and training of Maxine. Awesome stuff here. My mouthing off with Mike match recommendation here for Monday Night Raw is this match and then followed up with the main event of Monday Night Raw, which we're going to cover here in just a couple moments. I do want to get into some of these backstage segments here. Ricochet invites Logan Paul to show up to Raw next week. Seth Rollins has a really awesome promo backstage, which is interrupted by Finn. These two have a really awesome promo battle, and Finn's basically saying, listen, I'm not finished with you yet. You and I, we're doing this again at SummerSlam, and this time, we're going to get a clear winner. So circling right back to the first time these two met for a first-ever title, which Finn won and relinquished a day later, we are going to run it back seven years later at SummerSlam, where this whole thing started between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. After the promo's done here, Finn you think is leaving, but then throws a chair and cracks Seth with it, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was a great, great way to keep things going. Shayna squashes Nikki Cross. I didn't like to see it, but hey, I guess you got to make Shayna look strong heading into a match with Ronda at SummerSlam, which in turn is what we're going to see. Shayna has called out Ronda. Ronda, again, I don't know what it is in the air tonight with the UFC former folks, Ronda and, and Brock, but Ronda says, you got your match, bitch. See you at SummerSlam. Becky's on Miz TV. She gets all up in the Miz's grill. The Miz says a lot of backward comments at, towards her, backhanded compliments, things like that. Classic Miz stuff. I love the Miz. I've always been a big fan of the Miz. Becky, her to take on Trish and, and Zoe. You know, she's able to overcome it, but we obviously know that Becky and Trish is far from over. We'll see those two taking taking on each other at SummerSlam, more than likely, as long as Becky can beat Zoe next week. Bronson Reed is going to be taking on Shinsuke Nakamura, but Bronson Reed wins via disqualification because Tommaso Ciampa comes out and attacks him because Bronson Reed attacked Tommaso Ciampa last week during his match with The Miz and causing him to lose against The Miz. Good match. I like what we're seeing. After everything's said and done, Shinsuke's frustrated. He kicks Ciampa in the head. We're going to start seeing that edgier side from Shinsuke Nakamura, which I love to see. I, truthfully, my hot take again, Shinsuke should be and could be world heavyweight champion now because of this new title we've created. He he deserves it, I think. He's fantastic in the ring. And obviously, yeah, there's a language barrier when it comes to promos, but even when he, you know, even when you still can't understand him, he's still fucking entertaining. So a world heavyweight championship run, fingers crossed for Shinsuke this year. Love to see an edge of your side of him. Ladies and gentlemen, your main event of the evening, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the Judgment Day's dirty Dom. And the Archer of Infamy, Senor Money in the Bank, Damian Priest. As this match is starting, and really before it gets into that next gear, Seth Rollins runs through the ring, does a, a tope through the middle rope to Finn, and they brawl out of the arena. Finn is eliminated from the equation. The only person they have to worry about now, KO and Sammy, is Mommy, Rhea Ripley. This match was fast-paced, high-octane, intense, not a second of dead minutes, no... No stopping, no slowing, just constant action to end the final, 
I would say 15 minutes of Raw minus the commercial. So 12 minutes of Raw in-ring wrestling, you know, that you're seeing. From Monday Night Raw's main event, I thought it was fantastic. It was so good. The match completely breaks down. There's a 619 attempt from Dom. It backfires. KO and Sammy dive onto the opponents outside. As this is going on, Liv Morgan appears. As you heard earlier, I said Liv Morgan's going to re-emerge here tonight. Liv Morgan attacks Rhea as a receipt for Rhea attacking them earlier and costing them their tag titles, which in turn distracts Dirty Dom, and Zayn is able to hit the Haluva kick and retain the tag titles as KO hits a stunner on Mr. Money in the Bank, Damian Priest. Fantastic main event for Monday Night Raw, guys. Monday Night Raw, I feel like I end every Monday Night Raw like this. Monday Night Raw, again, the streak continues, was good. From top to bottom, from new tag title holders, a tag title defense successfully by KO and Sammy to main event the show, continuing the story of Cody and Brock, continuing the story of Seth and Finn, filling up the other matches on the SummerSlam card, Ronda, Shayna. Guys, I was thoroughly sports entertained when it comes to Monday Night Raw. Don't go anywhere because I'm not finished talking about the Judgment Day and Dirty Dom. You heard it in the intro. Dirty Dom is your new North, North American champion for the NXT side. And we're going to break down all of NXT, and especially that, in just one second. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are back, and we are talking NXT from this Tuesday night. And I, I feel like I start every NXT segment. It's getting a little redundant. NXT, once again, ladies and gentlemen, was another fun-ass two hours of wrestling on Tuesday night. And I understand this is developmental, baby, but I've been having a lot of fun watching NXT. Besides a few things that don't click for me, and I've said this on the show many times, I don't really get too nitpicky with NXT because they bill it as developmental, right? So these guys and gals, they're training, they're honing their craft to be the next best WWE superstar, right? We start off the show with some high-flying, some high-octane tag team action with Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee taking on Los Lotharios. They've made their return back to NXT, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza. They lose here tonight to Nathan Frazier and Dragon Lee, and there seems to be some tension between the two tag team partners of Los Lotharios. Seems Angel Garza and Humberto are not on the same page, so... Interesting to see what happens. They just brought them back to the fold in NXT as a tag team. To split them up already does not seem to be the smartest decision, but what do I know? Shawn Michaels is a hell of a booker when it comes to NXT. That man's cooking. Insert the Shawn Michaels chef meme. He's cooking with NXT. We've got some in-ring debuts here on the show as well, following Kiana James beating Gigi Dolan. Wasn't a big fan of that. Now, I do like Kiana James as a talent. I think her gimmick is interesting. The businesswoman carries the, the big heavy purse. Gigi has completely lost all momentum in my personal feeling from when she beat JC in the steel cage match to now. JC's mixing it up with Lyra Valkyrie and doing a whole thing there. And Gigi's kind of taking these L's. So I don't know how I feel about this. It seems like Gigi's getting lost in the fold. But I'd like to think this could be a budding story where she's losing these matches and maybe it causes her to snap and maybe we see a different side of Gigi. I always like to let these things play out. Now, if we see another week of this where Gigi feels 
lacking in the momentum department, then I'll call it out formally. Until then, we'll let things slide this episode. NXT debut here for Bronco Nima and Lucian Price. Now, these two, they're billing them as some dudes from Miami. They're former football players. You know, they're they're building them like, you know, from the street. They got off the street. They they made a, a life for them. And now they're here to dominate NXT. So it's it's more of a kind of a Florida crime time, I guess. I don't know what to call this. Now they are taking on Scripps and Axiom. Matches set up last week. Axiom tells Scripps, listen, I'm not a tag team wrestler, blah, blah, blah. During the match, Scripps turns on Axiom and leaves him for dead. Bronco Nima and Lucian Price win their debut match. Now it seems Scripps has aligned himself with Bronco Nima and Lucian Price. Not really sure what to make of that, so to speak. Thea Hale takes on Electra Lopez. Thea Hale makes Electra Lopez tap out to the Kimura Lock. As we have been seeing these last couple weeks, Thea Hale has become a submission specialist. Tiffany Stratton actually comes out because Thea and Duke Hudson get the crowd to chant rematch, and Tiffany's saying, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. I already beat you once. You're done. You're not... I, I'm not going to do it. She finally accepts and says... Fine, I'll accept your little rematch. I've already beaten you once, so I don't care. Thea Hale then says, no, but I've got something else I want added to this match. And she says she wants to make it a submission match. And the craziest Thea Hale voice I can do here. Thea Hale and Tiffany's going to be a submission match. Thea Hale makes Tiffany tap out right then and there on NXT again. I just don't know how I feel about this. Tiffany, it seems with this title run... The flaws are showing on the things that she needs to work on, which is good. This is developmental, right? We just touched on this. But I don't know if a submission match is smart at this early point in the title reign. I'm going to let things play out, but I could see Thea Hale becoming the youngest NXT Women's Champion at the Great American Bash. I could see a shock title change here in... Tiffany has to work and get back to her title. I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm, it's not off the cards yet. I'm going to see how this final week of NXT next week plays and then into the Great American Bash next weekend. Oro Mensa defeats Eddie Thorpe in a hilarious match here. Noam Dar is catatonic. He's in a wheelchair. He is distraught after losing the Heritage Cup to Nathan Frazier. Oro Mensa's accent has gotten thicker this week i noticed i'm not sure if that was by design or if certain words you know his accent's a little bit thicker but i thought that was pretty funny if that if they're kind of toning into the the kofi kingston thing when he had the fake jamaican accent but i, I just couldn't help but notice that his accent got a lot thicker this week during this match lash legend throws noam dar's lifeless body in the ring and he's just laying there like a, a dead fish eddie thorpe is confused by this eddie thorpe is on the other side of the ring the ref is confused by this attention is off of what's going on on the other side of the ring. Dijak hits Eddie Thorpe with a drive-by kick. Oro Mensa wins this match. Very interesting stuff here. The Don, Tony D, is back. He's out of jail last week. Stax beat Joe Coffey of the Gallus Boys to get Tony D's freedom. The Don is back, ladies and gentlemen. This Italian-American is ecstatic. I've said it many times. I'm so happy to have an Italian character on my screen. Yes, I know we're leaning into the whole Mob Mafia Don character thing, but it's certainly better than the FBI, the full-blooded Italians, and them just getting ragdolled across the ring in squash matches and that silliness. This was a compelling story for months on NXT. I loved it. 
The family, the Don, Tony D, and Stax Lorenzo are going to get a tag title shot at the Great American Bash against the Gallus Boys. My money's on the family to win those NXT tag titles. Blair Davenport and Roxanne have kind of a backstage video simulcast promo. It causes Roxanne to storm off out of the promo. Roxanne's going to have to tap into something different if she wants to beat Blair Davenport, and that's what Booker T tells her, and that's what NXT Anonymous catches, and they posted that on Twitter as well. Kalani Jordan is learning a lot of things from Dana Brooke. They have a little bit of a backstage segment where they are doing some gymnastics. It was a really fun segment to highlight Kalani Jordan's gymnastic background as well as Dana Brooks, which many people have forgotten. This is something that I needed to see from Dana Brooke from day one. This showed more character from Dana Brooke and personality than anything they've allowed her to do on the main roster when it comes to promos and segments. So this was a win for my book, and it was supposed to help Kalani Jordan, which it did. I thought this was more of a help for Dana Brooke, in my opinion. Baron Corbin had a face-to-face with himself. That whole Tiki Torch hooded figure thing turned out to be Baron Corbin. It was him. So there's two Corbins, and he now he's claiming he's going to be himself when it comes to wrestling on NXT. Mello and Dragunov share mutual respect, but they know that their match is going to be a hard-hitting affair. There's also a scuffle with the schism. Joe Gacy, the Dyad, Mello, Trick, and Dragunov are going to be in six-man tag action next week on NXT, so that'll be a fun match. And the main event of the evening, you heard it in the intro of the show, Dirty Dom is your new North American champion, dethroning Wesley, and Wesley deserves... A golf clap here on the show. I don't want to blow your eardrums out. He deserves some flowers. An original tag team guy, MSK, the Rascals, with Zachary Wentz. Zachary Wentz, some stuff came up, some controversy. He was released. He's now wrestling in Impact. Love to see him back in the fold. I'm glad that, you know, some silliness that he may have done when he was younger didn't, you know, really affect him. You know, everyone deserves a second chance in life, right? Wesley, a lot of people talked that he was going to get lost in the fold, that he was going to get released, that he was going to be nothing without his tag team partner. Wesley went on to have the second longest North American championship run, one of the most successful championship runs for that title, as well as some fantastic matches that came of it. And he got to prove that he, in fact, can be a damn good singles wrestler. I would have liked to see Wesley take on Mustafa Ali at the Great American Bash. If we're headed towards the Great American Bash, then that means that maybe Dom's going to be involved. So we could see a triple threat between all three men. Now, because of the Judgment Day and the interference that they run, that's how Dom's able to win this title. Priest, Balor, everybody distracting everybody. Rhea finally hits Wesley with her title, which in turn allows Dom to get the win. Crowd boos ringing through the crowd. Mixed reaction on social media I saw. I'm a fan of this. This is a great way to get heel heat. What better way to start Monday Night Raw next week than with the Judgment Day. Everyone with some sort of title, Damian Priest obviously with the Money in the Bank briefcase, but Rhea, the Women's World Championship, Dom, the NXT North American Champion, Priest, Money in the Bank, and Finn doesn't have anything. What a great image that would be to add some more tension to the fold. And also, does that mean Finn could beat Seth and as well hold gold for the Judgment Day too? Sets up a lot of different things, but what a great way to get some additional heat on Dom. Maybe have this title defended at SummerSlam. Maybe he defends it at the Great American Bash. Maybe he defends it never. Maybe it takes months for him to defend it. Either way, I like this decision. Dirty Dom proves that he is one of the 
over heels in the game gets the, the the best reaction from the crowd. They never want to let him talk. They always want to boo him. Similar to Don Callis and AEW, similar to when MJF is a heel. I don't know, guys. Just some food for thought there. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with Friday Night SmackDown and then everybody's favorite segment of the show, the final mouth off with me, Mike. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Mouthing Off with Mike. And this segment is dedicated to Friday Night Smackdown. Friday Night Smackdown left me wanting more. And that's always a good thing when it comes to weekly wrestling shows because obviously leaving me wanting more means I'm going to tune in next week, right? This week episode felt a little bit off for me. Now we did see a lot of really cool things on SmackDown. We saw a ton of NXT talent showcased throughout the show here. From a backstage segment with Jey Uso walking through the concourse and backstage to interacting with Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo, the family, the Creed brothers, Tiffany Stratton was in attendance, Dragon Lee and Wesley were in attendance, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams were in attendance. There was a lot happening here on the NXT side, and we are in the home of NXT this evening, Orlando, Florida. The happiest place on earth, apparently, if you're into that sort of thing. SmackDown starts off with the continuation of the United States Championship Invitational Fatal 4-Way Matches, the second of two. We have one last week, that's Santos Escobar of the LWO1, so we know that he will be one of the participants in the match for the winner of this match to decide who will be the number one contender for Austin Theory's United States Championship. This fatal four-way opening match for SmackDown was pretty solid, I will say. If I were to give you a mouthing off with Mike Rat match recommendation here, this one definitely could get a spot. I personally enjoyed EO Sky and Charlotte later on on SmackDown. I'm torn between those two. They both get a nod here, so both of them can be the co-mouthing off with Mike match recommendations for SmackDown this week. This was a chaotic Fatal 4-Way. Now, we're going to see Cameron Grimes, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, and L.A. Knight. Yeah, whose game is it, ladies and gentlemen? L.A. Knight's. You heard last week on Are You Not Sports Entertained episode 4 that I'm a big fan of L.A. Knight's. We talked about the Yam movement two weeks ago. We talked about how that picks up steam on social media, how one man was able to create a Twitter page that has now like 8,000 or 10,000 followers on Twitter, getting referenced here on commentary by uh, Wade Barrett tonight with him talking about the yeah movement. So just fantastic stuff here. Now, unfortunately, LA Knight does not win this match. Now, I would have put my bottom dollar that he was going to win. WWE was going to do the right thing, put him in the match with Escobar, have LA Knight win, take on Theory at SummerSlam for the U.S. title. That's not going to be the case here again. So. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Triple H said in the press conference after Money in the Bank, good things come to those who are patient. I've been pretty patient. You hear the crowd trips. You have to pull the trigger on something for the guy. We need to give him a story. We need to give him something. If you're not going to give him a title reign for the U.S. title, if you're not going to give him that match at SummerSlam, 
then he's going to have to have a, he needs a match on SummerSlam. He missed WrestleMania. He missed uh, night of champions. You know, he's missing pay-per-views left and right now. And I hate to see him left off the SummerSlam card. Rey Mysterio wins this match. Even after Austin theory, who's sitting ringside, not on commentary this week. Want to make that note. Theory was not on commentary. Good choice here by creative to not put him on commentary after last week. Michael Cole cooked his ass. Rey Mysterio wins after even Theory gets involved in this match. The finish of the match was very cool. There was the LA Knight elbow, kind of similar to the Rocks, people's elbow. The Megastar move, I, I don't know what you want to call it. I'll, I'll, I'll brainstorm something there, I think. The finish was good. Rey gets the, the pin here on Cameron Grimes. It is what it is with Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes came onto SmackDown real hot, real quick with beating Baron Corbin in record time. And then he kind of got pushed to the back burner here. He was in this fatal four-way now this week. So clearly things are ramping up for a lot of those NXT calls we saw back in May. And even the talent that we're seeing in NXT right now, like I said, displayed throughout SmackDown for the entire show, really, was the NXT talent. Charlotte is taking on EO Sky here. This was a solid match for television between these two ladies. There were a couple spots that were a little awkward between the two ladies, but overall it was a good women's match. They gave them time. I'm going to touch on the women's division actually in the final mouth off, and I'm going to kind of get into the state of it and how rapidly from just a few weeks ago where we weren't seeing that many women on television that we've seen a lot more women from the women's divisions on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown really coming into their own and really setting up stories here. So I guess good things do come to those who are patient in the sense of the booking for the women's division. This was a good match. Bailey is about to get involved in this match here at the end as Io Sky, it's not looking good for her chances of a victory against Charlotte Flair. But then Shotzi comes across the video screen with a crazy trippy video of her laughing and calling out Bailey. And Bailey is scared shitless. She runs out of there and EO is left. She's left by Bailey to her own here now. EO Sky unfortunately does not get the win here, but it was a really solid match. And remember, guys, EO Sky is still the money in the bank briefcase holder. We've seen this in the past with money in the bank briefcase holders where they lose a couple big key matches on their road to cashing in successfully. So I could see this loss against Charlotte coming into play because it was announced this afternoon that Charlotte, Bianca, and Asuka for the Women's Championship will take place at SummerSlam. So we're going to get that triple threat that we've been begging for. It's going to take place at the hottest party of the summer, SummerSlam, out in Detroit, Michigan. Now, after the match, Asuka does come out and make Charlotte tap and makes it known that she's a viable threat. Don't overlook Asuka. Nobody's ready for Asuka. Shifting gears back into the United States title picture. Santos Escobar actually came out when Theory attacked Ray in the Fatal 4-Way earlier and helped get Theory off of Ray and beat up Theory so that Ray could get back in the match and in turn win that match. So Theory goes to Pierce after this during SmackDown and demands a match against Santos Escobar. Adam Pierce says, great, we'll put the title on the line. Theory's like, no, 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 no. He needs to earn a title opportunity. Bad creative choice here. And what the fuck do I know about creative for wrestling i'm a consumer i watch it i enjoy it i get on this podcast i get on my little soapbox and i talk about what i liked what i didn't like the shows in general right I'm not an ultimate hater of wrestling like we see on social media i'm not a hater here and what do i know calling out creative but i'm gonna call out bad creative why would the united states championship be on the line on smackdown tonight 
when we've got these fatal four ways and we know Santos Escobar is taking on Rey Mysterio to determine a number one contender next week. So why even do this Theory match? Because Santos Escobar beats Theory and this was a good match as well. So Theory as the US champ challenges the guy to a non-title match after he gets involved in the fatal four way after helping his teammate Rey Mysterio of the LWO and mentor and now Theory's pissed about it. So he wants a match. The match is fine. I'm okay with the match, but I'm I'm just a little confuzzled by the whole fact of Pierce talking about the title being the line and Theory be like, no, absolutely not. He needs to earn that. I mean, he has earned it. Realistically, I don't know if this was even formally announced that the winner of this tournament, so to speak, was going to take on Theory for the U.S. title. So we may have jumped the gun here as the fans and the whole LA Knight thing because Santos Escobar could beat Rey Mysterio next week and this title could be on the line on a random SmackDown before SummerSlam. Thus, in turn, then there was never going to be that big match for LA Knight against Theory or Santos Escobar against Theory at SummerSlam. That's something we also have to keep in mind here, too. But overall, this was the part of SmackDown where I was a little bit lost. Because ultimately, if we're doing this whole tournament, this whole invitational for the U.S. title, don't you think that we should keep it on lock here? That's, that's just my take when we look at this. Now, your main event of the evening is actually set up earlier in SmackDown. There was a backstage segment with Dirty Dom Mysterio and Rhea Ripley Mommy of the Judgment Day are here on SmackDown tonight. And Butch, formerly known as Pete Dunn, comes up and challenges Dom to a title match tonight on SmackDown for the North American Championship. As you heard earlier when I talked about NXT, Dirty Dom is your new North American champion for NXT. Now, Butch wants the match, and, and Dom's trying to make excuses as a heel to get out of all oh, the belts not polished. Oh, I don't have my gear. Oh, no one from NXT's here to make the match official, so I'm sorry. That in step Shawn Michaels, and the Heartbreak Kid, the best booker of 2023, in my personal opinion, he's doing great stuff with NXT, it says to Butch, I think that's a fantastic idea. Let's go ahead and book that match. So it's made official. Dirty Dom taking on Butch in the main event of SmackDown this evening. Now, this isn't the true main event. It's the main event match. We still have Roman Reigns and Jay Uso in the rules of engagement, meeting, contract signing, whatever you want to call it. I talked a lot about the NXT talent being showcased throughout SmackDown, but I want to talk about a statistic here that we failed to realize this week until now. Dirty Dom main evented Monday Night Raw in tag team action. Dirty Dom main evented NXT in singles action against Wesley to win the North American Championship. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Dirty Dom technically main-evented SmackDown this week, defending his NXT North American Championship against Butch. That's three main events in the same week for Dirty Dom. I don't think that's happened in quite some time. I don't think that's ever happened. I'd have to go do a quick Google and look at the, the statistics on NXT main events and main roster main events, but I don't believe that has been done at all, if not that many times then. So very cool statistic here for Dirty Dom. Dirty Dom's on SmackDown to begin with just to rub it in his deadbeat dad's face. His words, not mine. Dom needs another spanking from Papa Mysterio ASAP, in my opinion. This man is this man's going in the deep end now. This was a fun little match. We knew that there was going to be shenanigans afoot here. Listen, Dirty Dom and Butch, it wasn't going to be a fantastic match. We didn't, I didn't expect this to be a five-star banger to end SmackDown or lead into the final segment with Jay and Roman. But there's a lot of chaos that happens. Like I said, you've got pretty deadly interfering. You've got the brawling brute Ridge. You've got Pete Dunn, Butch, slipping slipping up here, folks. It's like, just like Shawn Michaels almost called him Pete Dunn tonight as well. You've got a lot of chaos happening on the outside of the ring. 
With all that chaos happening, Butch unfortunately takes his eyes off Mommy Rhea Ripley, and Mommy Rhea Ripley chop blocks him, hits him in the knees. He's able to push Butch into the ring post, which in turn he goes for the pin, but he's too close to the ropes, foots under the ropes, so the ref tells him his foot's under the ropes. Dom rolls him further into the ring, pins him, and retains his NXT North American Championship with the help of Rhea Ripley, Ridge unintentionally, and Pretty Deadly. Funny note here, Pretty Deadly, guy's got a separated shoulder, but he was in a wheelchair tonight. And then when his partner left him for dust, when the Brutes were going to beat them up, he gets his ass up and he starts hauling ass out of that wheelchair with a separated shoulder. Just just comedy, guys. Just It was entertaining. I, I was thoroughly entertained with that segment, at least. Now, as a whole, SmackDown, it lacked in a couple of the areas. The the creative decision with the, the, the U.S. title with going with Ray versus Santos. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm pumped for that match. Just because LA Knight didn't win and, and the guy that I'm pulling for didn't win does not mean I'm not excited for Rey Mysterio versus Santos Escobar, Luchador versus Luchador, Mentor versus Mentee. That has potential to be a fantastic match next week on, on SmackDown. Seriously, like I'm pumped for that. What I just didn't like was the kind of the theory getting involved in the match to attack Rey Mysterio, to screw over him so he didn't have to take on Santos, and then the whole him with Pierce segment. That just didn't click for me tonight. Other than that, SmackDown was good. They've got something cooking for LA Knight. They have to at this point. The guy's got, I think, three top-selling T-shirts. The new shirt that they just dropped for him in June is a number one seller already. If you haven't uh, snagged it, check out the link in the description of this episode. Grab yourself an LA Knight shirt if you've got the disposable income at this current level. I know that we got all hard times financially, but if you've got the disposable income, if you can afford it, buy the guy's shirt if you want to support him because that's going to help the powers that be say, oh, if he's selling merch and he's got this crowd reaction and he's putting butts in seats, we have no choice but to keep pushing him, to keep putting him on television, to keep giving him a microphone, to keep giving him opportunities to continually get over more. Without further ado, we are going to head into the final mouth off with Mike. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your favorite segment of Mouthing Off with Mike, the final mouth off with Mike. You know, listen, we just got done talking about SmackDown. Unfortunately, I failed to mention here the final main segment of SmackDown, as well as something notable that I didn't want to talk about here. So before we get into the final mouth off with Mike, I do want to touch on these two moments from SmackDown. Jay and Roman are meeting tonight for rules of engagement for their match at SummerSlam. Now, this is an emotional promo here. Paul Heyman is money, ladies and gentlemen. He is telling a story with his body language and his facial expressions in the corner of the ring. He's at one point during this on his knees. Roman and Jay will be taking place and it will be a tribal combat match and it's something that the elder selected i am all for this ladies and gentlemen i have a funny feeling that roman will win at SummerSlam, but then i think solo will turn on roman because tonight roman stops solo from hitting the spike on jay which in turn jay hits a super kick on solo and then Roman and Jay embrace 
touch heads, and it's in agreement, ladies and gentlemen. These two, for the love of the family, for the love of one another, for the bloodline, are going to battle it out in a tribal combat match at SummerSlam. I'm excited for this, guys. I mean, this adds another layer to the bloodline story. Overall, I think this is really what's going to push the envelope for how this story concludes. Roman has to be dropping these titles at some point, right? So how are we going to intermingle challengers stepping up while he's battling the family? Or is it going to be the family leaves him, reforms the bloodline with Solo, Jimmy, and Jay, and Roman's on his own with Paul? And then that's when things start to break down. You know, he starts to barely scrape by in matches. He starts really digging into the bag of heel tricks, grabbing tights, grabbing ropes, hitting people with weapons. So I think it it's going to develop some interesting stories post for Roman with other competitors stepping up to him on the SmackDown side and then inevitably hoping getting to WrestleMania and then him dropping the title against someone in a big marquee match. My belief is Cody Rhodes still, but that's just due to me having, I guess, a little bit of bias that I want to see Cody finish the story. Speaking and finishing kind of with SmackDown, I also want to talk about Bobby Lashley. Last week on SmackDown, Bobby Lashley was seen talking with the Street Profits, picking them up in a limo, and we really don't know what was that meeting about. Could he be reforming the Hurt business? Now this week, it leads to me to believe he went and spoke with Carmelo Hayes, the NXT champ, and Trick Williams. A lot of the NXT talent, as you heard during the SmackDown segment, were on SmackDown and showcased throughout the whole show, really. And the show was highlighted with an NXT North American Championship main event match. Could Bobby be building a faction? Could it be as dominant as the Nation of Domination? Could it be the Hurt Business 2.0? Could it be something new entirely? I'm excited to see what it is. That's kind of everything I want to talk on the SmackDown side, so... Sorry for missing that kind of out of order here, but it's been a very unorthodox week for your host of the show. With that being said now, let's dive into my final mouth off of the show. Fan favoritism for LA Knight is at an all-time high right now. Fans have been clamoring for him to get a big push, and he started to be on TV weekly, having a mic in his hand, cutting amazing promos. Fan reception gets louder and louder each week now i had felt that la knight was the person to win this fatal four-way tonight on smackdown that we talked about to take on escobar and then to take on theory due to him losing that match everyone you know is kind of up in arms right now you know i i i like la knight i think he really has potential i've been a big fan of his since he was eli drake in, in impact wrestling we have to be patient here we do still have to have some patience here when it comes to these stories because I don't know if he really needed the win in the Fatal 4-Way to be a viable challenger for the title at some point. And I have a feeling that they've got something cooking for him because they're really emphasizing LA Knight as a, as a top guy across social media, across the show. You know, They highlighted the signs and the t-shirts in the crowd when he came out. They gave him a promo as he was coming to the ring. None of the other competitors in that match got it. So they want you to care about LA Knight. They know you like him, and now they want you to care about him. That's See the difference here? You like the guy, you cheer for the guy, you buy his t-shirt, you bring signs for him to the show, but
But now with him losing some of these matches and then there being some fan pushback of like, push LA Knight, you know, he should be the champ. You know, what are we doing here? But now they're making you care about him. Now you're like, man, I really want to see him win. You know, he should have won that fatal four-way. He should have won money in the bank. They got you talking. They got you wanting more. They have you setting up LA Knight versus management, and they haven't even formally planted seeds for that if they were even going to do that. You got to let it play out, right? Time is going to tell. If they're going to push him and they're going to screw and they're going to do what they did to Rusev and a lot of other talent that have gotten over naturally, Zack Ryder's one I can think of immediately. There's been a few. It just depends, guys. You know, let 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 the let the powers that be book the show and let's hope that with the support of the fans and as long as you're backing your your wrestler that you like, your superstar, whether it's LA Knight, Karrion Cross, AJ Styles, Seth, Roman, Jay, Cody, whoever, keep supporting them because that's what's going to get them to still be on your TV screen. Now you know me. I am a big advocate for women's wrestling. A couple of weeks ago, I had said, you know, listen, where are all the women? We've got, we just did a draft like a month and a half ago at that time. Why are we only seeing like five, six women featured on Raw and SmackDown, like combined at that time? And suddenly something shifted over the last month. We are slated to have multiple women's matches on the card for SummerSlam. Asuka, Bianca, Charlotte, Ronda, Shayna, potentially Raquel, and Rhea. Or Liv Morgan, depends what direction they go there. So that's that's three women's matches on SummerSlam, potentially. With the addition, you could see a tag title match added. It just depends on how in-depth WWE is going to go with the card. And on paper right now, it seems that they're going to probably be a little match-heavy, this card, for SummerSlam. I think they're booking something crazy here for SummerSlam when it comes to the matches. You, I think right now, we already have five or six formally announced with probably two, three, four potentials that could come up we know the u.s title situation probably won't take place at SummerSlam. there's already rumblings of that i I saw could see seven eight matches on SummerSlam. three of those being women's matches maybe four i like it i think that's great and you have women's rivalries that aren't just centrally focused on the titles of the respective shows of raw and smackdown so you've got other women's rivalries happening that have to do with other things other than just i want the title good shit here this is what we've been asking for as fans right we're starting to get it so i guess good things come to those who are patient we talked just before i was wrapping up the smackdown stuff and i want to touch on something that i've been seeing these last couple weeks and i actually had seen somebody on social media actually fantasy book this i read through the thread on twitter not the thread on threads this guy kind of booked something that you know is viable i think is something that could be have potential and i think that is after brock lesnar for cody rhodes where do you go with cody from there you know obviously if we're going to finish the story for cody you have to have some rivalries for the next couple months you know you just you're gonna have SummerSlam here and then really the the next pay-per-view i, I believe is payback after that for wwe and then you're kind of sliding into october and I'm sure there's going to be a Saudi a show for October. There usually is. And then you're at Survivor Series. Potentially, you have December. I think they usually do Extreme Rules. It could be something else this year. And then January, you're at the Royal Rumble. So at that rate, does that mean that you're not going to have Cody? You're just going to have Cody in meaningless matches? No, you're going to have him in full-blown stories, rivalries with people. So what better way to go off 
go off of Brock and Cody being a very physical rivalry, the first, the second, and the third. Of course, there's probably going to be a stipulation added for their match at SummerSlam, right? So it's going to probably be a little bit more physical. So after having to deal with a physical challenge, and Cody, this Monday Night Raw, you heard me say it during Raw, called Brock hard times. If we're going to do the thing about hard times, we're going to do the story about hard times for Cody, like Dusty went through hard times, Rick Flair put hard times on his family. Go look and check that promo out from Dusty. Some, some of the best promo work ever is done by Dusty Rhodes, and I will stand on that. I think Dusty, Dusty Rhodes was one of, if not one of the best promos in the business, and his promos still stand the test of time to this day and era. If I was a professional wrestler, that is someone's book of work that I would study thoroughly. Of course, there's many other wrestlers as well. Dusty Rhodes' promos resonate with the common man. He's a working man. That's what worked. That that just resonated with me, and that's my personal opinion, right? But if we're going to do hard times with Cody, going from a physical battle into a mental battle and set up him versus Bray Wyatt. A ton of rumblings that Bray Wyatt is on his way back to WWE. You know, he had some injuries or there was some stuff going on that, you know, he just wasn't fit to compete or something was whatever the rumors that may have been. But now the rumors are also showing that he's on his way and the rumors are SummerSlam, that he's potentially going to be involved in some one of the big matches at SummerSlam. And for me, the only thing that I think makes sense where he slides into is Cody and Brock. And I don't think Bray is going after Brock. I think the logical sense is Bray going after Cody. Why? It seems that they're now having Cody go up against people who in the past have fought Roman Reigns. That's how I would do this. If you're going to have Cody and Roman run back at WrestleMania 40 in Philly, what better way to do that than over the course of this next half year, Cody is in feuds from Roman's past. And that's how he learns and gets better to get to Roman again and beat him after all the things he was able to take away from those people that fell short against Roman, but he's able to pick up those shortcomings for him to overcome and win and maybe even use some of those past opponents tactics against Roman you know do the Brock Lesnar and bum rush Roman do the the Roman reigns till Roman reigns right or do a Bray Wyatt to Roman and play mind games I think Bray and Cody could potentially be a massive rivalry in turning Cody Rhodes from babyface to superhero babyface, oh my God, level. And I think you could turn this into Bray Wyatt being brought back into the fold, a resurgence of his career, as well as pushing him into the further direction as that really full-blown heel, like an evil heel. Because if you've got Cody who's getting babyface reactions that he does now, Imagine when you put him against a supernatural talent or if it's the Eater of Worlds Bray Wyatt, whatever inception of Bray Wyatt we get. If it's Firefly Funhouse Bray, then you know it's going to be mind games. Same thing with Eater of Worlds Bray. The Fiend, another thing. They could bring it all into the fold and explore the Cody-verse and the Wyatt-verse. Both of these guys have long, extensive history in WWE. 
Both of them have a connection dating back to NXT's original inception with Bray Wyatt, Husky Harris at the time, being Cody's protege. Cody was his mentor. And they even had a match back in the day, all those years ago. So what a fantastic next feud for Cody than a returning Bray Wyatt helps Bray Wyatt, helps Cody Rhodes. They've got history. Bray's got history with Roman as well because Roman beat Bray to win that Universal Championship to begin with. So what, his, what better history and what better feud for Cody than Bray Wyatt next? That's my final mouth off. I've been seeing that and that, that just has been stuck in my head and I wanted to put that to the quote-unquote pen to paper here for the podcast because I think that's money. I think whoever fantasy booked that, whoever put that idea, however I end up seeing that, for me personally, that is money. Bray and Cody is the next rivalry I would like to see for Cody on the road back to Roman. Thanks for listening, everybody. Episode got a little crazy this week, a lot of chaos. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it Sunday morning. And also, we did a double feature this week. Are You Not Sports Entertained and Mouthing Off with Mike is All Elite should have been released at the same time, Sunday morning, both episodes. So as soon as you know with this episode, head on into Mouthing Off with Mike is All Elite. If you already listened to that, then thank you guys so much for listening to both episodes. Go out there and watch some damn wrestling. And until next time, don't forget to mouth off with me on social media. M-O-W-M underscore podcast. Take care, y'all. Now they off with Mike. 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 Now they off with Mike.